Hey everyone, Jeremy here, host. Uh, David's not here because we're both in quarantine. Um, Nebraska is one of those places, as we are across the country, where everyone is staying home to try and stay safe and be healthy during this pandemic crisis. Um, last weekend, we didn't, we weren't able to record an episode, um, but we were able to go to the back line to do a live stream. Uh, and because of that, the um, audio quality is going to sound a little off. We were in an empty room with a lot of echoes and only one mic, because during this time, that's all we really had. And we don't know when we're able to record again in the studio, because the studio, studio that we record all our episodes in is also closed right now during this time. Um, we're looking at a, something we can do in the meantime, but we may re-upload old episodes we may do live streams on Twitch like we did for this episode. Um, but we're going to see what we can do. But in the meantime, please enjoy this episode. And I apologize, it's not going to be of the normal quality we normally do. And that's because, again, we're in an empty room with only one mic. And noise is going to back up. Uh, bounce off. See, I even have the flubs still today. Um, but just know that that's what's going on, and we're we're sorry. Um, we hope you still enjoy this episode, and we'll be back to our normal quality very soon. Uh, thank you, and thank you for sticking with us. Have a great day. All right, uh, so this is when we were, we were set up. Yeah, no, this is weird. Uh, welcome <laughs> to Right in Life. I'm your host, David Jones. With me as always, I'm, I'm Jared Combs. Uh, where are you looking at? I can't where's where's right right Thing that we 
used to be back in the day is we used to get shit faced during this. <laughs> you used to get shit faced because you didn't know how to drink. So no, I don't eat. That's also a problem. Why would you? Because I'm quarantining food. You're quarantining food. I'm rationing food. There we go. There we go. All right, let's rip it and rip it. Uh, and if there's anybody who usually does listen to our podcast and this is your first time seeing our faces, hi, I'm Jeremy. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. I don't know any of those things that you just said. 
He goes for a by uh, with Robin Williams, Nathan Lane, written by Lynn May. They are two uh, gay men that own a drag club and they pretend to be straight for their son who's dating a conservative family. It's a really good movie. It came out like 97. Good movie. Well, Lynn May wrote it. I wasn't a latchkey kid, so I don't know a lot. <laughs> It's a bunch of fucking movies to watch. No, it's all right. I got, I got, uh, I got all my movies locked up for yeah for this one. I it, this hurts the last movie I saw in theaters was some fucking bad job. No, it's very on brand for you. Fucking up it. I will admit, I was going to say that was the Sonic. Jim Carrey is surprisingly funny. Uh, all the Sonic references, like the music from Sonic Mania, the newest TV game. Uh, John Baptiste from. I don't want to see it go away. Me neither. 
And so awesome. the main reason that we're here is to try to help raise money so that the backline can make it through this quarantine social isolation period yeah. that I think in Nebraska they just made it April 30th. Really? I didn't hear the day. It's pretty close to April 30th. Did you see the Ricketts uh, uh, stream when he was talking about it? That's what I had to do. No, I'm trying to forget that man exists. I, will, I don't like Ricketts, but he at least had quarantine to 10 people or less before New York did. Uh, and open the major schools were closed. Like, it's serious out here, so stay safe. Um, also, recommendations my mom and I used to watch. Like, in front of her stuff, I watched my mom that got me into comedy. Uh, we watched Mrs. Doubtfire a lot. We saw It's a Mad, 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 Mad World uh, a lot. There's too many mads in that time. It's like four. I think it's like four. It's a really good one. Uh, Rat Race, uh, kind of. I'm not a huge fan of Rat Race, but it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, Odd Couple. I really love Odd Couple. I still think it's a great one. And uh, Jeff Foxman, or the uh, Blue Collar. Yeah. I would say most of the Blue Collar stuff holds up. And your 14 year old, if your kids are like 12 or 14, they will love Larry. Um, That's about the age that my parents let me watch the blue color comics or whatever. And a lot of people make fun of those comedians because it's it's a lot of catchphrase comedy. And there's something I would say that like, it, it, it pretends to be catchphrase comedy, but like, when Fox really is doing catchphrases. Yeah, if he's not doing it, he might be regular. He's actually a very talented joke writer and storyteller because I mean the guy's been doing it for 30 some years like of course he's gonna be. Mrs. Delphire's pretty sweet. It's really good. It's also where I learned more about Harvey Firestein, one of my favorite character actors. He's the guy that uh, creates the costume for uh Robin's character, he's Robin Williams' brother. Sure. Sure. Uh, sure. Okay. Uh, I'm already. I'd say about 15 minutes. I 
was excited to leave my house, and now that we've had this conversation, you know, this is what I'm ready to go back to social isolation. That's what I'm here yeah. for. That's what I'm here for. What was the last? What was the last? Mm, you said last movie you saw the Super Mario Isolation. Knives Out. It was very good. Yeah. I thought it was. I laughed a lot during it. I don't know if I was supposed to, but I did. <laughs> it's a black there, there was a dude who dark comedy. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it is better. It is better. There's, there's... I've been told it is 
the spreadability of Wonder Bread. I, I knew I knew we were gonna get the podcast. I fucking knew it. You you just can't. <coughs> you cannot. Also, yeah, it's been Jeremy's dream for us to do a sandwich podcast. I can't. Do the question at the end of our usual oh. episodes where we ask whoever our guest is what their favorite sandwich is. Uh, and favorite sandwich. Favorite sandwich. And <laughs> so. we. Because of that, Jeremy has this notion that one day we stop talking about comedy, <laughs> we'll make a sandwich podcast. Oh. And I unwittingly. Oh, we're going to have a great conversation over the meatball stuff. Okay, we're talking about the stuff. You don't even want to fuck with one Because no, you, you, know, you, you get yourself a Rotel Pokemon. That is what you use when you're. We need to stop. I've watched a lot. I've also watched them. Like, here's the thing. Uh, I don't have tonsillitis like, on the Saturday before the, the quarantine, mm-hmm. uh, which is why you hear me coughing. But during the time, I've been watching a lot of like, YouTube documentaries about hamburgers and like, different regional hamburgers. Uh, it's called The Burger Show. I'll send you a link to that. It's amazing. Uh, <clears throat> and also, a lot of cooking shows. And I've learned like, a good combination of like, ground beef. Uh, and ground your own meat with different uh, different cuts. I am I am ready for the cooking I will never do. That's the end of this podcast. <laughs> We've reached the end. Texas has a lot of really good small burgers. I'm learning. Yeah, yeah, it's Texas, man. And the only thing that Nebraska has to kind of thing is what you think it is. They use the Polish name, but it's the Runza. That's all we have. We don't have any fun burger combinations. We don't have the Juicy Lucy in Minnesota, which is cheese inside the burger. And when you eat it, it's like a of cheese. I've seen a place that's done that here. Yeah, but we don't get it here. No, we can't get it. Because that's pretty much what we do. Yeah. You see what other people are doing, and I'm like, just do that. Yeah. Seems like, it seems like a good way to. Smash burgers have not. <clears throat> Where a newer invention, no, they've been around for 70 years, made uh, closer to, yeah, Minnesota, Minnesota, Chicago. Yeah, they just recently got to. Yeah, probably. Um, they just recently moved in the past decade. Uh, it's <coughs> kind of like how eventually Waffle House will make it. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I have signed several petitions to try to get a Waffle House open. I would love it. I had a guy that like, drive by and scream at me and say, hey, you want to sign this petition? I go, I don't want to. I don't know. I don't know what you want to do. It's for me and I've already did. Just don't scream at me in your car. This is stranger danger. One-on-one. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I might have screwed up. We were all house I was just waiting. No, there, were, there were a lot of times. There were a lot of times where I signed petitions. Some of them on voter initiatives. I'd love to hear stories about your stand up date views. Okay, we can do that here in a second. Hex, hex with them. Don't fucking talk about the kazoo. If you bring it's up not the kazoo. kazoo. No, we have to, you brought it, I have to. Okay, here's what the kazoo was. It had nothing to do with my debut. It was shortly after my debut, I had this tweed jacket, black shirt, and I loved, and this is probably because I saw Sean Flaherty during my first performance. And Sean Flaherty is very deliberate. I'm gonna, he's deliberate with his puns, and he has this awkward persona um, <clears throat> on stage. And he, I thought he was doing an Andy Kaufman style thing. Uh, 
Jury's still out on that. Jury's still out. I still believe it. I think he's doing it. It's a long time. He's gonna get all of us one day. Oh yeah, he's just going to show up one day, and it turns out he has been wearing fake facial hair. Like 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 Mission Impossible mask. Yeah, like a like a rubber mask, and he is just going to be the suavest motherfucker ever. I'm gonna be so surprised if I'm right. Like I don't know how to handle that emotion, but I can break a window. Like that surprise. But uh, at the time, I wanted to do some more performance because I did acting in the past. I wanted to do some more performance, so I had a tweed jacket. I had a bunch of depressing one-liners, and I had kazoo. So I played the kazoo and doing my depressing one-liners, and I was trying to do an improv song, but they were always on accident. Seven eight charming by the white stripes, um, but I think I had a little bit to it. Um, but my real debut, I'm too technically. The worst time I ever. What? We're not technical. Oh, 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 I just want you to know. But there is a reason. Oh, there's a new joke Every. No, there is a reason that even to this day, many comedians in Omaha <laughs> do not listen to you. <laughs> Period. I thought better. I thought better. We're all afraid. One of them. Like, you're just going to try to get as good as you can until eventually you trick all of the comedians to actually come in and watch a set of yours. And then you're just gonna fucking pull a kazoo because they're out of your back pocket. So I did an episode with your app, which I a little bit, by the way. Does that mean I have to download an app? No, just click the link. It's a it's a thing. Um, but uh, there was a point I was talking to, and I'm trying to remember who it was, and I feel bad. Uh, yes, I was talking to Dave Carter from LA, and I ran that story by him. And he said, hey, you need to do that again. Uh, and that was the most validation I ever got. I want to, but I'll never do it again. But my real debut, I get two of them, and I'll do it quickly. I was doing something in speech called an ADS. ADS is like a informative speech or persuasive speech, but with jokes, with hots. And that's it. I'll just throw it on that way that I can see the chat. Um, <clears throat> uh, and it's just jokes in it. And mine was about a uh, about the SpaceX program, and I was doing jokes. But I, I wanted to make sure I was telling jokes authentically. I knew what joke structure was, and I had the ability to say jokes that being pretty worthy. I never learned how to not do credit, but I now know how to tell a joke. I went to the Shark Club Lounge. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off. Uh, I went. I was performing. I did it uh, during winter break. My uh, I think it was like sophomore or junior year of college. When I was in Carney, I came back in Omaha for winter break and I did the open mic at Shark Club. And I only knew about it because I Googled open mics Omaha. Uh, which was fucking terrible. You missed out on all the open mics. But I did it. And I performed it. And I just did old stories that I told my friends that were funny. Uh, to no laughter. But with some crowd work, like I was making jokes about, uh, referencing previous jokes about Ben McFarlane, who was the host at the time and a good friend. And that's, uh, that's, that's how I got my first real taste of comedy. The first time I did it regularly, I, uh, I had to leave Carney due to financial reasons. I couldn't let you know. Uh, I, I, could, I didn't have a loan at the time, so I didn't come back to Omaha. And I was really depressed because I was 21. I didn't know what I was doing in my life, and I thought if I didn't make a big plan now at 21, my life would be over. And to quote Pat Oswald, there is no group of people that are more concerned about 
the delay of time or the passage of time in early 20, 20, uh, in early 20 years. Um, That's true. That is true. <laughs> and Jacob at the time, who was doing comedy at the time, they asked me, hey, you want to put a bar on the with me? There's no one like And that's where I did the first joke I ever did. Uh, I wish I was like my idols, George Carlin, Richard Pryor, or Robin Williams, dead. And that's where I did the first joke, and that's when I was super depressed and kind of, if I'm being honest, suicidal at the time, so I was trying to get those feelings out. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started doing comedy regularly. And that was my debut, and uh, I've been doing comedy ever since, about five years now. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever heard of story how you started. Oh, the story about how I started, um, I was kind of in a similar situation. I started doing all of the, like, I was, uh, <coughs> Thank you for coughing, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, so let's just watch him replaying that string real quick. Oh, it's awesome. He's going in for the lane. Uh, taking, a, taking a quick sip of that beer. That's nice. Hold on, I want to watch it. Because I don't think you're the type of person who can lift your elbow up high enough. Fuck him up! I'm not completely And he goes in and leans it in for the down and the coffee. Perfect dad. I was, it was miserable. 
It was, I mean, there was other <clears throat> things that were uh, messing with my right. mental state at the time, but that was miserable. Uh, and yet, this is what people told me to be happy. So eventually, I was like, I don't know, I got the notion kind of to, I just got the notion to do stand up. And so I, when I turned 21, I was like, okay. I'm going to go stand-up and try to I'm going to try stand-up comedy. And then I worked for three months because I got nervous and I was like, well, I don't want to make a pass of myself. So I wrote jokes for three months. Shit. And I, wish, I wish I had that patience. After I found out how much time most of the open mics and all of these, I went out and I watched the open mics before I went and did them. So I found out that you pretty much all the open mics, you did about five minutes. So for three months, I worked real hard for five minutes. Uh, Jesus, this is uh, so many <laughs> questions right off the top. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, we're getting a lot of time to kill. And we still have special We still have special talk about But uh, we, so we're going to wrap up this answer to this we question. Go, we can also, uh, we have way more time than we that's true. They, they could pretty much give us a car to launch to just go. Which uh, we've never had before, and I'm afraid. Well, no, we had it back when we were recording in Richard's basement. Yeah. I miss them. That was fun recording in Richard's basement. You're getting off topic. You just want to be drinking. I had one. I'm two in. Yeah, I know. I had one before. I know. Like, hey, you know. Fuck you. Anyhow. So I, uh,. Yeah, I got it in my head for three months. I wrote a five-minute set. Yeah. I don't remember any of those jokes. I think one of those jokes, because about the same time that I started doing stand-up was about the same time that uh, Farrah Abraham, Teen Mom, uh, had released her uh, porn album, and I went to high school. Yes, we had this conversation. Yeah, I yes. I, I, uh, she graduated the same year that my wife did. From uh, oh. yeah, shut up. Every time you do it, I, I have that urge. You know, I've never seen the movie. It's just like, <laughs> oh my god. How do you know most of the podcasts would be doing things that you fucking hate? Yeah, I know. Like I remember what I'm trying to say. Back for a story. Uh -huh. Do you remember how I said nothing during your story? Mostly because it bored me to tears. But <laughs> you heard you did. Yeah, no, that's my job. That's what I do here. Actually, I do have a question about your your story. If you don't mind, what did it feel like? First time you really went on stage. What did it feel like? I was getting there. Okay. I was getting there. Okay. Tell me what it felt like. Uh, don't remember. You don't remember? No, I don't remember. Well, here's the thing. I don't remember what it was like actually being on stage because I blacked out. I do remember that. I was. No, you don't. No, no, you tell me this. Oh, yeah. During our like, hour long party. Yeah. No, I pretty much, like, I got real bad tunnel vision. I couldn't hear anything. The next thing I know, first thing I know, I was on stage. Next thing I know, I was off stage. I was just done. But I did a set, and apparently I did well enough. Here's the thing nobody does well the first time. No. 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 I did well enough that people complimented me and said, hey, nice job. And that feeling was amazing because it had been about three years. It's like since I graduated high school and since I had, done do, had been done doing sports, that anybody 
that paid me that type of compliment. So that wasn't my girlfriend now life. Like that was a new feeling for me at the time. And so I wanted to come back. And then I came back the next time and I ate a whole bunch of shit. Yeah. And then I came back the next time and I ate a whole bunch of shit. Then I came back the next time and I ate a whole bunch of shit. And that just kept going. <coughs> but at that point, like I wasn't doing it to try to become a comedian. At that point in my life, I was still very much, and pretty much the entire time I was finishing my college degree, which took another three years, because after I started doing stand-up, I started fucking around more and yeah. like, drinking more and stuff like that. Um, now, now I feel bad at first. <laughs> no, it's fine. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a problem. In the normal, like, alcoholic sense, it was mostly I just didn't want to do schoolwork, so I drank instead. It wasn't that I needed to drink, like a compulsion to drink, like a drinking problem. It was, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this either. I guess I'll drink. Yeah. But even then, like, I cut down. I got out of college. But yeah, it wasn't until like after college that I actually truly started performing and like trying to make this thing. For those first few years, it didn't matter how much shit I was eating because I was just having fun. Like I was just trying to enjoy myself. This was a hobby. Now it's my job. But it was at first a hobby. I uh, I was at the reverse of you. Uh, I I have OCD, I mentioned that in the last episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I try and reference it in my set. Um, try and do right, often right. and a lot. Uh, yeah, fuck off. Um, I don't want to talk about that. There's a meme war going in, uh, in the Omaha copy scene, which is kind of supportive of But uh, um, a lot of people make fun of the fact that I, I do suicide jokes. I started doing suicide jokes because at the time I was very depressed and had those thoughts. Mm-hmm. And me writing those jokes made me uh, uh, address them a lot more. Mm-hmm. And it made me, I don't know, it, it made, they, they felt less, at the, one, the more I started referencing it in a joke, they felt less uh, real. It felt less than other. And that's, that's why I started making those jokes. Uh, and then it became my most intimate and vulnerable jokes, and therefore, the funniest jokes I had, so I kept using them. Um, I th- think there's something to be said about that. Like, if, you're, if something actually like, scares you and terrifies you, like, continuing to exist or wanting to die. Yeah. If you can find a way to joke about it, well, it takes away some of the sting of it. So that way, like, that's why when that, I'm not talking to a doctor for years. Um, yeah, talking to a doctor for years is probably the best way. But if you're not as serious of a case, you can oh, okay. joke around about it. That wasn't a stab. The, like, the, 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 taking a jab at these serious topics can help you feel better about yeah. the world around you. Especially if it's something about a darker topic, it's a little more uncertain. But also just know that not any joke does that. Like, you have to be careful still because you're 
speaking publicly to a bunch of people about what you say. Like you can't just make any old joke. If somebody has just passed away, don't make a joke about that. Like you shouldn't make a joke about that. Especially, I mean, let me clarify. If the joke is not in good taste, if it is not funny, and you might wonder, well, how do I know if it's not in good taste? Well, say it to a friend, and if you feel bad for having said it, don't fucking say it into a microphone. Uh, another way is like, am I making fun? Is it? Is the joke just reminding of, aha, they're dead, or more of something else? Mm -hmm. That's another thing you can look at. But the reason I brought up that, that, that personal fear is another thing is I had a fear of failure. That's why I was thinking. One of my many OCD triggers said fear of failure. Mm -hmm. uh, so going to an open mic and fucking bombing, just setting up. I would go to bar um, and then I would do a set, and then I would leave, and I'd stand, you know, like the corner, uh, like right across the street from Jake's. Yeah. Yeah. I would stand right there and I would take a deep breath and I would breathe in and out and out and then I would count how many people laughed. And they go, hey, you're not a complete failure. These people found me funny. And that was my big fear. And now I have less of a fear of failure to the point I'm hosting a middling podcast. Um, you have a generous definition of a middling. <laughs> I'm not family. We get listeners. We get listeners. We get listeners. In, in not a lot. <laughs> that counts to me. But like, In fact, it's almost hurtful how few people in Omaha No, it isn't. Honestly, it. no, it isn't. To me, I get it. <laughs> I get it. No, no one wants to listen to your friend's podcast. Everyone wants to listen to another guy who's you're never going to be podcast. Yeah, or if you do meet them, it is a very big interaction between you guys. Or an actual big deal. Like, I've been listening to uh, a leftist political podcast called uh, More News Now. Uh, one of the guys who who runs it is a former college humor writer. Uh, I would fucking love to meet that. Uh, so it, it's been fun listening to it during this book. It's like, but a leftist political podcast. Like they're like, they're Bernie supporters, they're socialists. Here's a question. Yeah. Answer honestly. Yes. Do you listen to any comedy podcast? Right. Uh, Do you listen to. Like about comedians? Or that he focuses telling jokes. Comedians talking about comedy in any context. Um, sometimes, sometimes I kind of jump around. I can't remember the name of it, but it's the one from with uh, a bunch of improvers. Comedy. Comedy. Stand-up. Do you listen to any stand-up? I have not listened to a lot of stand-ups before I started this one. I'm trying to find more. That's been on the list. It's gonna be on the list during this quarantine. I'm starting to realize why it took so long for us to nail down a format. This one that we are breaking for this one. This one because it is weird that we are. I don't know. It just this this feeling that this is weird will probably not go away for a while. How is it? Because I'm usually in a place that I have. I mean, I've there's a nice space. I've seen it. I've seen it empty. I've seen the back line empty. I performed at eleven o'clock during the open mic. I've seen this place empty, <laughs> but I've also seen this place. Full standing room only, people standing on the wall to watch a show. So the fact that it is just now, currently at this time, four people in this building. Hey, it's still weird. I want to give a, a shout out to our audience people. Uh, uh, Dylan, to a single thing we said. No, they're amazing. Um, seriously, guys, don't. This feels like this feels like our telephone. Like I'm, uh, I'm Jerry Lewis. Um, 
but specifically in like the day of character I was. Um but I uh just say the sincere thing, don't try to diffuse it with a joke. Sorry. Be a better person. Guys, guys, uh this place is amazing. Let's uh make this time donate, go to Venmo, go to PayPal, have a uh, search your background and do hashtag or the light. Um you can have some fun, have a little light emoji. Uh that's what that's what uh, you do for me whenever we pay for uh pay for fees for the podcast. Oh yeah, whenever whenever they pay for studio fees for the <laughs> for I the recording. I just put the little like which I like to think that people on Venmo if they see it are concerned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because red light is something still people use. Yeah.
I no, these these are more like just nerd. Uh, just like I also am like like knee deep in my shit posting. Like I love shit posting, so I will I will follow a bunch of shit posting friends and see where I go. Um, but actually, a lot of John Mulaney stuff is uh, passed around and uh, memes. I actually wrote that. Which, by the way, we've been talking for fifty minutes. Fifty minutes, and we haven't even mentioned. We did an entire podcast where we did like we talked for like an hour, hour ten minutes of bullshit. And like now we're under an hour time of bullshit done mentioning it. That is not new for us. You know that. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to keep some track because even though we have carte blanche for our time, we still have to be out of here. There's another show coming in. Eight thirty. Stay <laughs> so, stick around for that. Uh, that's our eight thirty show. House teams. There's what? Eight o'clock. House teams. House teams. Nice. I think she said house teams. House teams or house teams? Teams. Teams. It's the house teams that perform at the back line because not only is the back line a stand-up point, it is also an improv theater. They also they've also been working on uh, video sketches lately. I mean, everybody's had to. We can't fucking go. No, I mean before the before the coronavirus, they were doing that. Yeah. Also, oh, I have no idea how we're looking on the stream. It's not falling out. That's fair. Um, we're going to do one more question. Uh, actually, I didn't feel like I'm doing my stream for their set. Okay, let's just mention that. We're going to do this question. Okay. By Larry Smith Comedy. How do you feel? I also have lights because I touched your phone. How do you feel about comics doing live streams of their sets because of the social distancing suggestions? Do you think it takes away from what we are considering there's no audience or live laughs? I. I think creating entire shows streaming is fine. The only hindrance will be as the performer, who is sometimes almost Pavlovian used to laughter, is going to feel very awkward. But I think we've seen it before on big leagues with Last Week Tonight, uh, Seth Meyers, and a bunch of late night shows doing no audience. I think it's totally fine doing it locally. I'm sorry, you. It's just going to be very hard. Who gives a shit? If you want to host a streamed open mic or if you want to host a streamed show, fucking do it. It's the end of the world. Let's no, do it. No one, no one, anybody who cares is not, I don't know, they're not a good person. Because if you care so much that these people are trying to do this thing that makes them happy and that brings them joy to the point where you don't want them doing it because it makes them look stupid. Fuck you. I think Larry's asking you to do a show last year and asking that's a good idea. I think honestly it is. Again, who gives a shit? It's not a good idea, it's not a bad idea. Because there's no way to know. There's no way to know. Oh, there's no way to know that this is a good idea. No, this is for sure a bad idea. This is gonna be a great idea. No, it's a terrible idea.
honestly, what I think is sometimes live streams is just as important for people who want to watch something when they're feeling alone and they're feeling kind of cooped up. But it's also just as important for the people who are putting on the show to want to perform. I know for me, I've been looking forward to this for fucking days, even though I knew that I could be speaking into an empty chat or an empty twist room. I didn't fucking care because I just wanted to do comedy, even if it's a comedy podcast. I still think it's just as important um, for them or for us. So, no, I, I, I think it doesn't take away anything. It's just going to feel weird and awkward for you because you're not going to listen to You're not going to hear laughing. Also, there was a very popular show around for a while called Seven Minutes in Purgatory where comedians wouldn't be able to hear an audience's laughter. They would wear noise canceling headphones and so perform in a separate room, and the audience would have the, uh, a feed of the comedian just standing there with a microphone, noise canceling headphones, saying their jokes. So the comedian has no idea if they're bombing or not. I mean, for some people in certain scenes <coughs> who don't have a good judge of who they are and how they are as comedians, they still won't know whether they bombed or succeeded. I feel like whether an audience is there or not. It's a thing that several people we know personally. That's fair. That's fair. Anyway. Uh, that's a thing at my airplane you can show for sure. No, no, no. Yes. <laughs> but but uh, so much more. Um, so you and I, normally when, when we're doing the shows normally, which you can find on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you listen to podcasts, I'm fucking just to say the thing you're going to say. Um, but normally when we ask the comedian when they're on the show, when we ask them to pick their special, what they want to talk about, we ask them why. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I decided to do this a little differently. We just talk about what's our favorite one, because I think during this time people are going to be you know, on Netflix, on a bunch of things, watching the thing that just make me feel more, most comfortable. Um, and this one is both of our favorites. This is the one I've heard the most and can quote the most special. And I think it's one of your favorites as well. It's one of my favorites. I don't have like a favorite, favorite stand. This is top ten. It's, it's in the top. This one's probably in the top five for me. Uh, it's just hard when it comes to like, what's one thing you can watch forever? I can't. I can't watch one thing forever. That's a dumb question. That is a stupid way to try to figure out what your favorite something is. This is this is a type of podcast. Look at it this way. Uh, this is my second favorite podcast special of all time. John Mulaney's Come Back Kid. This is one I bought on CD, even though the audio is not available streaming online. Uh, I just wanted the audio. It is or is not? Is not. Then yeah, you're going to buy the CD. I would buy, well, I also could just watch it on Netflix if I really wanted to, but I love this one so much. I can just wait on John I don't like sometimes I can't more. I think Pandora's a great tool, especially hearing comments I've never heard before. But when I want to hear just a special all the way through as audio, Pandora isn't great because it's always fucking random and I want to hear it all the way through. Yeah. Because John Lane is really great at transitions. John Lane is really great at making sure every joke blends together. Um, and that's what I really like about the special. Like, even some of the Heckler joke where he's making fun of like, the guy with the V neck. Translates really well in the second joke. Is uh, that about uh, the circus? What circus go like? About being called out. Is that this special? It is a special. He says, How do you afford being next, Sam? And he goes, Is that Are you sure that's Comeback Kid and not Kid Gorgeous? That's Comeback Kid. 
Okay. He goes, how many for me next? He goes, uh, he says, number he says numbers. He goes, oh yeah, numbers. The letters of math. Sorry, I didn't mean to call you out. I hate it. My brother's called out. Sorry, so late. I have a theory about that. You think that was planted? Oh yeah. You think that's planted? Oh yeah. I, okay, here's the thing. I'm not saying that it's not impossible. But <coughs> I, I think, think it's happening. I think he has. He had that joke ready to go. Oh fuck yeah! About his brother and the Cirque du Soleil thing, and it just so happened that he's able to use that on hecklers. And that's a thing. because here's the thing. Well, oh, whenever, you, whenever you see a comedian handling a heckler, most of the time, or if they're doing crowd work in any crowd interaction, most of the time, if they're good. They have a couple of go-to lines tucked away. Shaking so, most obvious. So, yes. Yeah. But also, there are like there have been comedians that I've worked with where they are crowd work guys. They do a lot of uh, talking to the audience, and most of them have jokes that can work for you know whatever profession comes up: healthcare, teacher, whatever. I don't know what other professions are. But you I was about to say fucking teacher. I don't know if I said teacher. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Healthcare, we're your teacher. Everything else is just bullshit. Oh, wait. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Delivery for every grocery store worker. Oh, yeah. The yeah. important people. The important people. The heroes. But you know what? They have some canned lines or canned jokes. Yeah. Like, there's a guy that I remember the name is Willie Farrell, very funny guy. He's been in the game for a long time. A long time. Uh, anytime he talks to a teacher, he immediately takes that and jumps into several jokes about how he went to Catholic school. Yeah. I feel like that was what this was, but now more or less on special. I think, yeah, I think partly that, I think he had, like, I think what it was at a certain point, he would, uh, I always think, I always think that some of the skills you learn in street magic and comedy and comedy are the same, and now that I said that, it would have probably If nothing else, I will make sure that everybody ridicules you yeah. for years. Well, there's slightly. How much it. street magic do you know? I watched a lot of Penn and Teller Coolness, and I know a couple of tricks. I, think, I like magic. I, just, I think magic. Okay, if we do this again, yep. you're doing street magic. No. Yes. Fine. Yes. Fine. Because you I'll do it if you're doing this Because week. you don't get to say, hey, I don't want really well. trick really well. I don't want trick really well. I know, I, I, I kind of know the cup one. I, I know the cup one, I don't, I've never done it. The cup one with the... Three cups and the other one. The, what? You have three cups and like a softball or something. Like yeah, there's three balls under each one and then you move around. So and then they all come to watch. I know, I know that one when I see it. But what I'm saying is like there's... Hold on, if you know how to do something like that... I can see it, I don't know how to do it. I'm not being a magician comedian. No, That's what I know. No, no, no. I'm saying, why are you doing comedy in town? Go stand on the streets and play three card money with people. No, that just. And just hustle people out of their money. No, that's a new low I don't like. That's a low I don't like yet. Yet, I said yet. We're live streaming a podcast on Twitch. Hey, Twitch is great. <laughs> but, uh, and this is, this is a fantastic story, so I think I'm going to do live stream. Uh, anyways. Direction or a force, which a force in magic is like when you're doing a card thing, when people say pick a card, 
Okay, you point to the director. Or, the, or let's say, hey, name a, name a number, and like, at that point it's force. Or like, Pat and Tyler has an easy force whenever they pull up three of clubs, so they, uh, and that's the card that the audience chooses. Mm -hmm. You know that Pat and Tyler picks that card. Uh, and so in Don Laney's special, that was a force. He was looking out for somebody that was on his phone for like a second, mm -hmm. or talking to a friend, or about to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. and 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 then you pull it out. It, it's also a trick that I've kind of done something, done something similar to that. <coughs> I'm not proud of it. Where if I find somebody talking, I'm going to pick them out. And what it does is it kind of ingratiates you to the audience and it gets the audience listening to you a little more because now they realize, oh, he might come talk to us. Yeah. It gets them to pay attention to you a little bit more, especially if you do that early. To establish. Now, now, here's the thing. He was recording the special. He didn't need to. Everybody was there specifically to see him. Any show he does anymore is there to specifically see him. But it's also a nice trick to have in your back pocket where it's like, okay, if I need to, I can do this. Right. I can take somebody, I can demonstrate that I have control of the room by rotating somebody who is not paying attention to me and getting them to pay attention to me. Also, this is, uh, this is the most I've ever written on a special, because it's one of, like, there's so much you can learn from the special. Like, uh, his SNL history is very apparent in this specific special, because this is densely packed with jokes. Like, yes. there's so especially, much. Especially when you have a beginning, it's densely packed, and then as you get further into the set, it gets a little longer, which I think is a good thing that I've tried to incorporate a lot whenever I start to do, whenever I'm doing yeah. longer sets is uh, you get punchy up front to get the audience on your side and get them laughing. That one later in the set, they're a little more patient with you when you're doing a longer story because they know. Right. And honestly, it's kind of a good idea to sometimes, if you're making an audience laugh really hard, give them a little bit of a because otherwise they might not be able to make it through. Like one of the first comedy shows I ever saw live, I laughed so hard at the two opening acts that by the time the headline was nearing the end of their show, I was having a good time. Right. But I couldn't laugh. It, like I couldn't laugh, my face hurt. That's actually something brought up in uh, Intro for Story Writers by Keith Gladstone. <laughs> Uh, and it's called Laughter Hell. He uses the famous Robin Williams story of uh, Robin Williams was crying, was crying in the backstage after the set because people were so happy that they were laughing at setups, not punchlines, and they were just laughing just to laugh. But he also brought up in that microcosm in which sometimes you need breathers, you need moments of not laughter in order for people to reset. And that is, um, that's the, if you're a newer comic and you're doing 10 minute sets, you're never going to worry about it. Don't worry about it. Honestly, even if you're doing 20 minutes, don't, don't worry about it. If you're doing 45 to an hour, consider it. Yeah. But, uh... And even then, for the most part, still try to... Like, if you're just getting to that point, just kind of make them laugh. Right. Because you're going to have unintended doldrums of laughter. Yeah, when you first get to that. But the reason why I brought the SNL thing is that jokes are, mm -hmm. jokes are even jokes topics, like being married, 
mm-hmm. or the 14-year-old who's in the movies. Mm-hmm. The real estate agent who reminds me of your mom, I could definitely correspond on a weekend that day for us. And that's, and that's also not only yes, it can be correspondent, but that's a 70s style comedian's way to address a joke. Like, we're, gonna, we're not going to acknowledge the story of it, we're not going to it. And here's the, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that the lady does that are very old school that are not really, like, you see people trying to get away from her and like, oh, I better than them. Here's the thing, there's some things in comedy that just work. Like, just, here's the thing. And now here are all the jokes about the thing. Because, yeah, that observation of real estate being like your mom, I mean, it's just an observation. It seems like it'd be a pretty funny joke. But then there is, an, if I remember correctly, there's another three minutes. Yeah, that goes on for a while. That goes on. Thought Before the podcast, you were teaching me how to say that name over and over. 
single time yeah, we yeah. fucked it up. Um, but it's so far. We're so far from it. It's a dream. It's really a dream. It is. I would love to hear it. But uh, one thing I want to talk about is that Harley is, one, he brings up that in style over comedian. But I think also in tone and the way he joke writes. Well, I think what he is, is he is just, he's a stand-up. He's a stand-up. Like, if you, when you think of a stand-up comedian, and you're not in comedy, or you're not familiar with comedy, you have a certain thing that you picture in your head. Like my parents' generation, when they heard stand-up comedian, the picture that comes to your head is Jerry Seinfeld. Yep. Suit on stage. Observations. That's actually what I want to bring up. Is that knowing that last sentence of bringing up your sentence of bringing up your uh, your your parents, John Mulaney, like your parents' generation, your more importantly, your grandparents' generation, when comedy was only on vinyl, or if you're later, only on HBO. Specials. Or you would get five minutes of it, maybe once a week on a Tonight Show yeah. or something like that. This is the common stand comedy used to be communal. When the entire family would get around the TV or the vinyl player and watch. Communal. Communal. It's the word is communal. Fine, it's a community event. It's a community event. Communal. Fuck off, it's a community event. And uh, good examples of that is like you see like, some of those jokes like kids don't listen to teachers, appeals to an older demographic. Mm-hmm. But all that really ke- uh, culminates and comes to a head during the comeback kid story. You have pe- people who really knew when. Bill Clinton was running for the first time are at best for it now. Like really alive during it. Like, like they would they would have been the Democrats yes. most likely to vote for Bill Clinton. Forty and the youngest. Yep. They're, they are the elder millennials. Uh, there, there's a funny kid going, it's all to the eyes of a kid, which appeals to younger kids. Mm-hmm. So if a younger kid like sub twelve was watching this, they have kid voices. I'm not even sure if that if that appeals to younger kids. I think what that appeals to is the because a lot of people who are watching him and go out to see him, they're gonna be in like their twenties and their thirties. I kind of remember the first Clinton presidency. So what it does is it gives you this little bit of I know you were you were younger than me. You would have yeah, been four years. You would have been Bush two, three. I was I was born in ninety-four. Yeah, I was born in ninety-two. So what he did his first election in No 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 sorry, I remember his second election. Right, right. And I would have I would have remembered Bush more. Yeah. But like I think like the voices and characters is for kids and witticisms and cute references are for the twenties and thirty years. I remember the thing that I'm just overall as a theme in Mulaney that I think <coughs> like we talked about this a little bit when we talked about the stack lunch bunch, we talked about this like I've talked about this with other people. One thing that John Mulaney does really well, I think he does it a lot in the uh, comeback kid story, the Bill Clinton story, is nostalgia. He's really hits on nostalgia. He hits on nostalgia a lot. And not nostalgia about specific events or about specific things, but just an emotional itself. A general, like, you remember when you were a kid? Do you remember this thing that would happen? Do you remember when your dad would drive through McDonald's and he would only get uh, coffee or he would not stop at McDonald's? Whatever, whatever that taps into. John Mulaney is fantastic at it. And I think I have a theory as to why it's because 
Like he could talk about the subjects of it. He could talk about the happenings going on. But that's not what's supposed to happen. That's happened in the past. We all know how that turns out. It's safe. It's, and I'm not saying that he is not taking risk of this comedy, but it's safe to talk about the past because people remember the past way more fondly because the people remember the past fondly. And more than the different generations remember. Different generations remember the past. Exactly. Yeah. Like you can appeal to a wider audience if you're going back to what happened in the 90s because more people remember the 90s. Like people yeah. remember people who are 70 and people who are 40 and people who are even 30 when they were kid kids and couldn't even like, vote and stuff yeah. remember Bill Clinton. And he brings up multiple generations in his jokes and his parents in some ways multiple viewpoints. And it doesn't do nostalgia the way like Disney does nostalgia. Where it's like, hey, remember this icon? Remember this? No, no, no. You see it a lot in Sackbox Bunch. And you see it a lot here, specifically in Comeback Game. I don't think you see it a lot in Jake Gorgeous, which is like Jake Gorgeous. Yeah, Jake Gorgeous is a little more about his. Himself. Like his present, like right. how he is in the present. Because that's one, how just talking about the present, talking about the past, are where he He doesn't really try to like pontificate about like this is what the future will look like and this is what will happen and things like that. Yes. Which you see some comedians do. It's mostly present or past. It's a mobile frame I was saying. He doesn't do image nostalgia like I said Disney or even yeah, yeah, yeah. does. It's emotional nostalgia. Remember what it felt like to be a kid. Remember what it felt like like the eggy joke. Mm-hmm. Which is the so, I'm so I'm little and I have no money. You can imagine the stress I'm in. I'm that is also a me. I'm so small. I am so small that I have no money. You can imagine the stress. Well, that, that, that's a different. That's another thing. He, he, he talks about the test being the two different tests. Yeah. Because the other one is uh, uh, you know how I'm angry and sexually frustrated all, all the time. time. <laughs> I just want to explode. So X. <laughs> um, but that's an emotional. Do you remember that feeling? And that tries people of all ages. Yeah. I think you and me or someone way older than like Casey Eastwood, who's in the city, who's over the next guy. I think me, you, me, and him all can relate to it. Well, because there are certain things that you remember as a kid, no matter what generation that you're in. Like you remember sitting there in the car with your parents while they were talking about something. And you don't get it. And you have no clue what they're fucking talking yeah. about. And it turns out you're having that conversation right now. That DED, that's, that's from Jordan, that's from, uh, it's Jordan, Jordan's, isn't it? What? Oh, I don't know if it's BED, but I don't know if it's BED. No, that's from, uh, that's either from New In Town or A Little Off The Top. Those are both kind of simple stuff, aren't they? Uh, no, A Little Off The Top was album only, and, uh. I don't think I remember. It was his first one, it was fantastic. I mean, I mean, I mean, I think it's, it's a little fun. Uh, so I'm pretty sure the person who introduced him on that album is T.J. Miller. No fucking way. Yeah, because it's back before he blew up and uh, I things happened. I, I looked up, I, I was in Google Music, that's where I get most of my music. Uh, because that and YouTube pretty much the same. And I, I, I had some on YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, there is no John Mulaney 
albums on Google Play, that makes me very sad. You get on Grand Horse or start out. That's I, I want to listen to all of the top all the way through because I really want to hear any differences. I think the, the best case for that is you have to go buy it on iTunes. Otherwise, it's, you're going to get it randomized. I might just go on Amazon and just, but well, once Amazon stops doing uh, non essential uh, delivery. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, I, uh, I'm also in a video game group with a bunch of people who talk about video games. And everyone pre-ordered Animal Crossing, which was everyone was upset for it, especially during the coronavirus, because that meant because Animal Crossing was you get to travel to an island and hang out with your friends. <laughs> um, and then Amazon said, "Yeah, we're not delivering that game, guys." <laughs> Sorry, live in the real world, you fuckers. <laughs> or buy it. Live in the real world versions. <laughs> Sorry. What? I said live in the real world versions. Sorry. Really here's the here's the I'm gonna say people play Animal Crossing they fudge. <laughs> oh, they probably have way worse sex than normal people. I didn't play Animal Crossing on my DS during this. Furries. No, Furries. no. These are people that like collecting bugs. These are people that like fishing. These are people that like uh, living in small towns. Mm -hmm. And small town people. They fuck. Oh yeah, they get real weird. They get real weird. I get real weird and then pray about it on Sunday. Why why do you think the why do you think? <laughs> I got nothing? Uh what else is in my notes that I actually brought? Because I mean one of us that actually brought notes. Yeah, I left my notebook at home. I had notes about it. The only one that I remembered was a nostalgia thing. And I thought this is a good time. Yeah, sure, that is this a good time. Good time to you are right. He actually is the most I, I I argue that John Lane is one of the most quotable comedians in non-comics. Because a lot of his one-liners and characters and whatnot is easily capable, easily memeable, like, and easily like, shareable. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And even for non-comics, I think he's somebody that people can listen to over and over and over. Well, I, I, I was in this like, I think, like five or six times, the most of those things said. My, my old boss on the last day job that I had, a <laughs> uh, wonderful nice lady, she when he saw John Mulaney live when he was doing his kid, when he was doing his kid gorgeous run mm. three times. She saw him live three times. Wow. During Kid Gorgeous. And the entire time that she was doing this little she was like, he did there were some jokes that he changed and some jokes that he didn't do. And some jokes that were exactly the same, but I still laughed all the same and I was like, yeah. Yeah, no, you just described the comedians for <laughs> you, you just described, you just described that time where I had a show at, in the back line at 7.30 and 8.30. Yeah. <laughs> and they were both 10 minute sets. It was like, well, uh. Yeah, so, same set, some jokes are different, some jokes are getting moved around, some jokes are not telling. I mean, I have 20 minutes, but like, why write two sets? <laughs> um, one thing I want to point out is, and I didn't write it down, but I had I'm of the opinion that no good example. I, I, I'm going to use an analogy on this. I think early Adam movies are fantastic, are fine, not fantastic, but they're fine. Mm -hmm. Like Big Daddy, like uh, Happy Gilmore was the only thing I think of right now. Um, but post clip, when his uh, early movies, he was a level schlub, he was a fucking idiot, and after clip, he was the biggest dick in the room. Everyone, he was the best person in those things. And that's when those moves became insufferable. I don't think anyone likes it set where the comedian comes out on top. 
where the comedian is the best person in the room, or in the story. And John Mulaney, <coughs> and for other comics, what that means is self-deprecation. Do you want to cough this out real quick before you continue your... Okay, got it. Anyways, John Mulaney doesn't do self-deprecation, but he doesn't come out on top. Yeah. Come back kid, his dad comes out on top. Kind of I was going to play In that story. Here's the thing. Oh, in the McDonald's story. That, well... He could, if, you, if, you're, if you're really looking at it deeply, in Comeback Kid, John Mulaney comes out on top. Not in the story, Comeback Kid, or special? Not the story, in the special. How? Because let's analyze what was going on in John Mulaney's life at the time of Comeback Kid was released. I just looked that up. Okay, let's do this, yeah. He had just spent five to seven years working on a television show called Mulaney, a um, TV show that bore his name. Essentially, that was his sign. I forgot that show existed. Most people did. Because it was, it only lasted two seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, two seasons? Not even, I think. That's Actually, almost a Netflix series. It might, have been, it might have been one season. It might have been one. But it got canceled. So at this point in his life, he is at a love, at a career of love. The show that bore his name, that he was in charge of, that he was the You wanna burn that one out? Yeah. yeah. He, <laughs> he was the he was the guy. Yeah. That got canceled. And when it got canceled, the headlines were Mulaney sucks. Mulaney canceled. Mulaney's done. That has to affect you psychologically. But then he went, after the show was canceled, he went out on tour, working on this new special. And people were still coming out to see him. He was selling out theaters. He was selling out uh, clubs. He was, people still loved him. He made a comeback after his failed show that was supposed to be the thing that set him for life. That was his Seinfeld. That was, because Seinfeld, if he doesn't want to, doesn't need to work a day in his life. He can just coast on residual checks until the day he retires. Or until the day he dies. He coffee is just for fun this way. Pretty much. I mean, he's, I guarantee he's still making money off of it. But he's pretty much doing that for fun at this point. That was what Mulaney was supposed to be for John Mulaney. Well, that all failed. But, even but now he has a Netflix special that not only was the number one special and the number one album when it came out. Like, it was his comeback. This is, he's back to the thing that he's doing. He's back to the thing that he's good at. So even though, like, in his stand-up, he is not the one who comes out on top. And very much in real life, John Lane's one comes out on top. That's the case with most comedians. Like, even if it was a situation where they don't come out on top, they very much are the ones that come out on top. Because they get to dictate yeah. their image. They get to dictate what people are laughing at. Exactly. So in in a set, it's been, especially if you're a newer comic, it's hard to write a joke. I'm gonna go back to just writing a portion of it. It's hard to write a joke where you don't come out of the top and it's not self-deprecation. I think John Mulaney is a good example of it. Where sometimes you take the neutral route. 
you're not patting yourself on the back. You're not making yourself look good, but you're not making yourself look bad. Um, we've talked multiple times on this uh, podcast about being vulnerable. That's part of it. And I think just you're not making yourself look good, you're not making yourself look bad, you're making yourself look human. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. Make yourself look human. Which is endearing because in a lot of situations, especially in situations that John Mulaney finds himself in, when you're on stage in front of an arena of people who are there to see you, you need to humanize yourself a little bit. Yeah. Because these people see you as elevated. And that's not the case for, like, you know, if you're doing a show at a small local club or hell, even if you're the MC or the feature at any comedy club. But if you're the headliner, you have to humanize yourself. Otherwise, your observations about life, even if they are relatable, probably come off as relatable because you're now larger than life. You're right. not a person, you are a celebrity because you are in this theater. Exactly. Uh, and if you're a newer comic, that might be. I tried. He, he tried writing pull up the string for questions. And you can try again. It is amazing that I was able to read it. I, I have tried so pulling up the string for questions. Yeah, I, I can't. Okay, so we try to Yeah, we're going to have to borrow the phone's phone. Wherever he might be. I'm pretty sure he's just. That's the first dealing with he may be right now. Uh, mostly for letting us do this thing. We've been talking about an hour and a half right now. And honestly, it's already been way too much without a guess. We, we should not be talking about I don't know. The episode you and I did, episode one, Roast Beef and Cloudy Water, mm-hmm. uh, available on Spotify and iTunes or we the podcast. Um, put that, it to bed. Put it to bed, dude. <laughs> you don't know, have the title of this one, right? You can put it to bed. Alright. Uh, that, that one recorded was almost two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, longest episode was Spencer. Yeah, 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 history. Yeah. Perfect. Um, do you mind going for questions? Uh, what can you learn from this, uh, Dylan? I mean, uh, David, what can you learn from this? Well, I mean, that's the thing with John Mulaney's specials, pretty much all of them. You can rewatch them multiple times, depending on what type of comic you are. Obviously, this is not for everybody, but I find myself learning something new and different every time. <laughs> you watch it. You take away something entirely new. I, I learned something new. Because it, it, whether it's joke structure, how to tell a story, how to formulate a joke that you are the villain but also still lovable, or how that you are the hero but also still flawed, are a lot of things that are encompassed when you watch John Mulaney's stand-up. And, I don't know, there's just so much you can learn from it, it's hard to pinpoint just one thing. There's, there's a lot you can learn, this is one, this is why this is one of the ones you and I will come back to multiple times. Yeah. Uh, this is our first, by the way, double dip episode. Well, we kind of mentioned this a little bit with Hayley Raven. Um, we were doing the, uh, Oh yeah, you can come back to the But this is the first time we really got in depth. Yeah. Um, it would never be done all that much. We mostly have talked around for the first 45 minutes. I have literally everything by like one, two, three, four, five, six pages of notes. Yeah, you got it. We're going to cover it. All right. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, well, if you're going to come, you're going to come for six pages of notes. And that's good. Well, we covered all the points. I still think that's most of. That's more pages than I wrote. Oh, this is most I've ever read about The longest for me personally? Uh, five. Really? Yep. Um, and it was on Firesign Theater, the episode that we did. It was mostly in Amy Ramblings, uh, because I'm pretty sure that broke me. Kafka esque is, is the best way to define that episode. But I, I, what I learned from it is the you don't always have to dehumanize yourself. You don't always have to punch down on yourself. You just be human. As, as well as... Because every human has their positives. Every human has their negatives. And their flaws. But I also learned, and this is something I, I'll be honest, I can't maybe implement for a while. Unless I retool everything. Mm. Appeal to multiple generations. I think, we were talking about, I think, uh, in the meme war, some people make jokes that Certain comics can't fill certain audiences, mm-hmm. um, and that's a, that's, a, that's a fault of the comic. You should be able to appeal to any audience. I remember I was doing uh, the mm-hmm. uh, let me open this one. I'll do it with the story. I was doing uh, email show at Legend Comics around Christmas time, and it was a predominantly all African American show, and there were only two white guys on the show. He actually pulled us aside and said, "Hey, fair warning." It's an all African American show. Please don't, you know, be aware of that and whatnot. And don't be racist. Don't be racist was, was, was the key one. Uh, and the comic that was standing next to me said, "Cool, I, I was set predominantly for a, for an African American crowd." And I go, "I don't. I just have my set. Mm-hmm. And my set is who I am. It's me. It's my voice. And it appeals to. And my goal when I write is to appeal to everybody." And be something that everyone can find solace in and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I'll appeal to everybody, that's never gonna happen. But try to not limit yourself to one audience. Try to be something that you can, no matter what the crowd is, you can appeal to. Yeah, no, that's, I guess that's a point that I would agree to. Like, you shouldn't try, like, you shouldn't have a set where it's like, oh, I have a set. That appeals specifically to the black audience. Just do your stuff. Just do your stuff. If they like you, they like you. If they don't, they don't. That's all you can do. Uh, Dylan, is there any questions? Uh, any new stuff? No. No? No. We haven't got any uh, the only thing someone said was uh, my friend just went to a wedding and John Mulaney was the best name. That must have been a great toast. Oh, that would have been Fuck! a fucking amazing toast. God damn it! Damn, that would have been so fun to see. I would have paid somebody to record that. Here, here's, a, here's just a fun story about best man speeches. Uh, my brother let me know what he was going to say about my about me at my wedding because my twin brother was my best man. Uh, he, uh, he eventually decided not to go with that speech and because, and I quote, because my wife had two ma- she had a maid of honor and a matron of honor. There is a difference. difference. Matron of honor is already married. Maid of honor is single. That seems like one of those like weird Victorian rules that no one thought. Okay. Yep, but my wife knew it, so that way she wives. <laughs> and both of them got to give speeches that roasted the fuck out of me. Yeah! Like it was it was rough <coughs> to sit. Like, I'm usually a good sport, 
but they were saying some shit. I was like, God damn, really? At my wedding. And then my brother, who had initially planned on going after me the same way they did, took pity on me and decided to not say those things. Well, I can't say that um, David, that one is something we've done multiple times before in the past. Yo. Um, we're going to do our quick five questions. Really? For both of them? We've answered these questions before. Ah! In the quarantine, there's a different sandwich to me. What's your. Actually, that is true. Spam sandwich. Spam? Oh, I'm sorry. Fried sandwich. Fried sandwich. Fried sandwich. I like fried bologna. I love fried bologna. I like fried bologna. I think you would be on board with a fried spam sandwich if you're I like spam too. I like, I like that. A little bit of ketchup and mustard. Okay. Yeah, and it can last like forever. Yeah. So, load up on spam, people. Ooh. Anyway. Quesadilla is the mind. Hmm. That's not really a sandwich. It's a sandwich, Jason. Okay. I would have I've also. This is more than a hot dog is. Oh, I, uh, I might tomorrow go buy some chili and make some chili dogs. Mmm. Mmm. That's some good shit. Let's, let's burn All right. Um, we gotta get out of here. Fuck, I can't remember these jokes. I can't remember these uh, as much. Um, favorite sandwich. Biggest bomb you've ever done. Oh, I have mine now. Oh, biggest bomb? No, well, I've already talked about this. You on, this bomb? on this podcast and another podcast. Um, oh, uh, is that the art bomb with the hip hop? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Like Boobless. That's also in my comic comments. I hate to Yes. Uh, you should listen more about people succeeding more. Um, Sorry, sorry, I'm kind of right now. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, great podcast. A fist fight at Peru uh, in Peru, Nebraska. That was my biggest bomb. Um, I've had a couple of bombs, but the only the, the biggest bomb I've had at State, mm -hmm. I was in St. Louis. I didn't drive. I took a twelve-hour bus ride. You told me about this one. I told you. I don't know if I said on the podcast, and if I've done, who cares? Um, twelve-hour bus ride. It was around, I think it was on Halloween or Halloween Eve. It was around that time. Yeah. And I went to the Apocalypse uh, Theater, a comic store. Uh, I bought a lot of comics that night. I love that place. It's a great comic store. Sorry, I was a great bit. And then, and I, I really don't have to talk through the verbs, right? You can hold up and you can. I hate it so much. Uh, but I had to hang out with some really good comic friends like Tom Brown and then Ricky Rocksteady. Both of them are fantastic comics. And Molly Amberkey, who was also a guest on this podcast before, they're all great. Um, and I did the show, I was the headliner of that show. Man, well, there's a mistake in the whole Shh. They know. But, um, <laughs> but. <laughs> but <laughs> this is one of your biggest bomb stories? Yeah, I'm Yeah, that's really the Well, here, here's part of the way I did the bomb. Before the show started, I also hung out with a friend of both of ours, uh, and who was on a uh, future episode of the podcast, Will Gordy. Yeah. Uh, he was on the little mic right before the show. It was a five-person open mic. Uh, he only had five stops available before the show. Um, no one came. So the host did what is very humiliating for everyone to do. He barked. For those who are not comics, barking is going outside and getting people into that show. It's not exactly the situation you want to be in. Back it's in like humiliating. It used to be. Oh shit, we'll, we'll wrap it up. Less, less than that. No, uh, we'll, we'll go real quick. We'll go real quick. I couldn't read that. Barbing is a like, okay, when I did the hard road night, I used to host a show. I go to, uh, to bar to bar to bar, ask people to come and watch our show. It's humiliating. 
Um, and that's what Tom, Tom Brown did, and he's great at doing it. Uh, no one wanted to be there. And I got heckled a ton, no one laughed. The biggest laugh I got was when I got up behind me, because I was standing on a porch with a window behind me, was dancing and gyrating. I had a 20 minute set, I was doing it for a team. He's like, I'm not doing this anymore. And I walked out. That was the biggest pop. Yep. Alright. Best joke that we talk Best joke that I tell. Yes. Um, I've been getting a lot of good reaction off this new one. I'm going to try to two in one this question. New yeah, obviously, you're going to get it. Yeah, new one that I'm working on. I've been getting a good reaction from it. That, and I've been feeling real good about it. This is a joke about how I don't get to know my name. But I think it's interesting that you haven't ever, because you haven't been to the open mics I've been to since I've only been telling this joke for a week and you were sick last week. I love it. And now we're in the The joke is essentially about just how I don't get to know my neighbors that way. If my neighbors do something super messed up, I'm not going to be one of those people on the news who talks about how oh I didn't know this person could do anything like this, like looking like me. Like all those like all like all those people who got interviewed after Jeffrey Dahmer's murders and they're like, oh Jeffrey would never do such a thing like that. That's kind of bullshit. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna be that person. I'm gonna be a different type of idiot on the news. If they come interview me, I'm gonna know nothing about my neighbors. I'm not doing the full joke here. No. Not getting paid. Come on, Sam. Come on, Sam. Whenever those fucking start up again, uh, I'm pretty much out through April. So. Yeah, the TV thing hurt. The, the TV thing canceled hurt for me. That one, that one, that one hurt me. I get it, but it hurt me here. I mean, that's, I mean, that's something, but. I like that show. It's a fun show. Um, <laughs> um, anyways, um, my favorite joke that I tell, I really like the radio joke. Um, where I say like I love traveling, I love listening to radio. I know, I know the radio joke, yeah. Another one that you told me my best joke is the uh, growing up next to a Catholic church joke. Growing up next to a Catholic church. Um, the punchline is uh, everyone calls the father, I call dad. Oh, oh, I didn't know that's how that joke like began. I thought they had a different beginning. <coughs> I thought you were just talking about how you went to Catholic Church a lot and how you grew up next to uh, I, I, I had multiple openings for that one. But yeah, that's how I write it in my joke book. Um, but the news one I'm working on, because when you're quarantined and you're a comic, fucking still right. I've been doing that a lot. I've been retooling an old joke about being an all white production of The Wiz. Oh, yeah, that, that one needs a lot of retooling. It doesn't, but it works. I told you, I told you, like, I. Told you, like, I, I Growing out the old SCD joke. Yeah. And a lot of the big hitters had nothing to do with the word SCD, so I could just throw them into the. Uh, I threw them partly in the beginning of the um, Wiz joke, as well as the I wish I was like my idols joke yeah. in the beginning. And it's created its own, it created a whole story out of it, and I was able to retool it in a way I'll do it now as I'm redoing the new ending. Mm-hmm. Just like a final punchline, and I'm done, and I can leave. Uh, I can't wait for uh, Open Mic's Life to back on to open up again. Uh, so I can redo it, and I think it's, it's going to be really good. I, I feel really confident. Uh, and the are old jokes that like, I used to love, but I couldn't find a good, find a oof, oof for. Um, 
we've been over this, I'm not answering this question again. That's fair. Um, I think well, you've been over this, you don't answer this question again. Sorry, I wanted to preempt you because it sounds like you were about to like, launch into the I've never answered this question. This is why I was telling jokes. Oh, well, shit. If you had known that, Jeremy, why do you tell jokes? I was, remember when I said the shark club at the beginning of this podcast? Yeah. They were like a suicide joke. It's on the brand. And there was a guy that hit his friend. And he goes, hey, man, he's just like you. That's it. I finally related to someone through my words, through my personal writing. That's all I need. That's who I am. Um, guys, we have a show coming up at 8. 8, okay. It's going to be a couple of house improv teams from the back line here on Nebraska. Please Venmo or PayPal this club. This is an amazing club. We want to get this, uh, we want to help them out uh, during this time. Uh, and also do hashtag on the light. Um, and thank you for watching. Thank you. I'm so sorry that we wasted an hour and 45 minutes. Where can we find you, David? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at David underscore Kowser. That's K-O-U-S-G-A-A-R-D. Uh, you can find me on my website, davidkowser.com. But no, most of the stuff that's in the near future is canceled, so where can they find you? Uh, Twitter and Instagram at Plum, Je- uh, Plum Jeremy. And if you want to find the podcast, like I said, it's everywhere you listen to podcasts. Please, we would, we would love to have you listen to more of these. Uh, also, that we are running a light on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Look for the big red light. Uh, you guys, thank you. We love doing this. We love to do more of it. You guys are fantastic. Uh, thank you. And uh, Shackle Rock. Shackle Rock. Shackle Rock.